Hi, and welcome to Batwoman TV Talk, your weekly podcast following the adventures of Ryan Wilder on the CW's hit show, Batwoman. I am Palmer, and with me, as always, is Tony Ann. Say hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Pretty good. Feeling better this week? Much, much better. Well, that is good. I... Excited to talk about this week's episode. Me too. I just got my appointment for vaccination. Congratulations. My mom just Yay. got my mom just got her first dose on Saturday. Oh, nice. Does she, so which one is she getting, the Pfizer or the She got the Moderna. Okay. Unfortunately, the side effects are kind of kicking her butt right now, but she's doing okay. Oh, how bad are they? Uh, she's pretty wiped out. It's just major fatigue and arm muscle and arm fatigue and arm pain from the injection site, but she's really tired. Ah. So that's, that's about it. And, and she's got a little bit of the chills, no fever, thank God, but they say that the side effects can be like fever, chills, major fatigue. And she's experiencing a few of those, but I think she's finally coming out of the other side of it. They say it only lasts like two or three days after you get the uh, injection. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know. I've heard, I've heard different people, uh, different people getting different things. There was, um, I had one friend that didn't have any issues pretty much whatsoever. Um, and then one said like they got really tired the second dose. Um, but that was about it. So yeah, that is, uh, that is good. And then my age bracket opens up on the 6th, so I can make my appointment on the 6th. Nice, nice. All right. Well, now that we got mindless chit-chat out of the way while I was trying to figure out something that I still can't figure out, (laughs) we'll continue on. (laughs) So today we'll be reviewing the episode, uh, episode 9 of this season, and the first one after a couple key... um, A couple key casting announcements came out. One of them, as we talked about last week, with Wallace Day taking on the role of Kate Kane. And then the second one that was announced earlier this – late last week. Uh, I don't remember when you sent it to me, but I remember you sent this to me. Yeah, I sent it to you on the 23rd. Today's the 30th. So, yeah, last – it must have been right after we finished recording. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I sent it to you Thursday. Okay. I sent, yeah. So they cast Peter Outbridge as Roman Sionis slash Black Mask. Um, for those who might not know who he is, he was a member of the East German bobsled team in Cool Runnings. Oh. I mean, he's done other stuff okay. and probably much more important stuff, but – that's... He was he was in full running, which is all that really matters in the long run. <laughs> now, did we see him in today's episode yet, or have they not introduced? No, we did. He was the one wearing the black mask. That's what I thought. Okay. Jeez, pay attention, will you? Uh, <laughs> this episode, I was kind of I had to rewind a couple times because there were a couple things that like I did not understand what the hell was happening, and I don't know if it's just because things got crazy right when I was trying to watch it, or just because I was having a slow brain day. But that's what took. That's what made me have a delayed start in recording. It's because I kept having to rewind stuff because I kept missing shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I could definitely understand because I watched the episode. I want to say I watched the episode. Oh yeah, I did because today is Tuesday. So I watched the episode yesterday, and it was it was a little bit after um, my friend had texted me about saying something about. Uh, Roman in this episode, and I was like, I haven't seen the episode yet. And he's like, well, that's not really a spoiler. I'm like, I don't care. Don't tell me anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... Uh, so, coming coming off of last week, I think it was a little bit of a... Yeah. I feel like if we'd had a hiatus before this episode, it wouldn't have felt so strange. Yeah. It's it's uh, very possible. I don't know. So let's get into it. We start off with we start off with um, Ryan writing uh, in her journal to Kate 
uh, essentially saying goodbye and talking about all the things that Kate kind of helped her with uh, over and how she now feels like she's she's no longer like keeping the bat suit warm that she is Batwoman. Um, but without Kate, she wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, all this is all this is being said over kind of a small Memorial gathering. Funeral. Yeah. Which uh, I didn't think we were going to get to see. For some reason, I thought we were going to skip past the funeral. And when we came, I, I think based off the article that you read last week, I just assumed we were going to skip the funeral and we would have been like a couple weeks post grief. Right. Yeah, that's that's what it had sounded like. And apparently not. <laughs> so when we got the funeral, I was like, oh, OK, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. Um, and it was a very small funeral. Like it was just the Bat Team, Sophie, Jacob, and Julia. Yeah. Like. But who else would who else would there be though? I mean, I'm sure Kate had friends. Do you like? No. I mean, no. I mean, yeah. No, but I guess I guess they just kind of kept it small. Yeah. Maybe everybody else grieved her when the initial crash first happened. And so this was just kind of for everybody who kind of held out hope that she's alive. Right. Um, in her letter to Kate or in her notebook entry to Kate, uh, Ryan kind of fills in everybody that, um, you know, she had, she was saved by the Desert Rose that she assumes was given to she was assumed was giving to angelique by ocean which make i mean that would be the only way that she would be able to get desert rose uh yes and how that saved her and how the the you know she has had that plan for forever and it reminded her of angelique it reminded her of her mother and now it reminds her of kate and she takes the plant out of the pot and puts it in the only place in the entire bat cave that gets sunlight as part of so now it's part of the cave uh it's now part of the cave which is good because god forbid they ever need a quick cure for something they're growing it right in that cave i mean this is true we also don't know how long it stays in her in your system though cuz like true. if it just cuz if it just stays in there for for a good amount of time like right now like her and her and uh mary are fine right but like let's say something happens to luke i mean i don't see why you would have to save him but because he's worth saving and we don't leave anybody <laughs> behind on the bat team that's how this works fine <laughs> <laughs> so we go we go from the funeral to uh domestic bliss <laughs> of of uh Mary and Ryan we, oh no actually I'm sorry before that we have uh we have the police the police commissioner uh stepping out of a stepping out of a car going into going into a day's worth of meetings and he stopped by a reporter asked him about the rumor that they're getting help that the GCPD is getting help from Batwoman and what they plan to do about snakebite and he talks about how, you know, the GCPD has never been one to turn down help from a vigilante and that their main concern is trying to get uh, Snakebite off the streets because it is very deadly. And he has a he has a meeting for a meeting for um, their budget to go to. And then he is stopped by a by a woman who uh, is talking to who says that, you know, she wants to defund the police, but in uh, in her explanation, defunding means taking money away from certain things like bonus pay and other and, re- and reallocating it where it would be more useful. Right. So it wasn't just like, no, we want to get rid of the entire police department. We want to we want to rein in the budget on stuff that you on on frills. And put it towards put it towards you know community centers and trying to trying to have community outreach programs to stop people from from ever going down that path. Then we switch over to 
domestic bliss of, <laughs> of Ryan cooking Mary sweet potato pancakes and Mary uh, proposing marriage. Not quite, but she was pretty close. Yeah, no, she she absolutely loved the sweet potato pancakes, uh, and she thanked Ryan for you know for being there for her, letting her cry at odd hours in the night or odd hours of the day and eating all the ice cream in the fridge. There is a knock at the door. Mary goes rushing off to answer it, and it's Angelique. I was surprised. Uh, yeah, because you know. I mean, last- I, I went when the door. Knocked, I figured it was Angelique, but then part of me was like, does Angelique know that she lives here? Well, yeah. Yeah, because Angelique didn't even seem, like, shocked that Mary was there, so. No. Well, my favorite part of this was, like, when when they, when they started talking, uh, Mary's like, I'm going to go excuse myself out of earshot. And then, take, <laughs> and, then, and then takes the entire breakfast table downstairs with her. Pretty much. She's like, I'm going to take these. I'm going to oh, take and this, this and, and these and <laughs> Angelique is there to apologize to Ryan and say and, you know, try and get her back and saying that she wants out of the False Face Society. And Ryan is kind of the reason she wants out. She she always Ryan she, is always her constant. Yes. Uh, Ryan made all. All of her so, group, you know, all of the group homes they were in more bearable. Yeah. Then she couldn't she couldn't fight for her when she got adopted, but she can fight for her now. And this is her fighting for her. Yeah. And, and she talked about how, like, she was kind of jealous when Ryan got adopted because then Ryan had a family and she still didn't. And how the false faces kind of, you know, made her feel like she had a family. Uh, but now she's ready to get out because she loves Ryan and she'll do it for her. Then we go to Alice, who is back to where she started, eventually, I essentially. I was so confused by this. I actually missed the establishing shot that had the that showed the mailbox and the name on the mailbox. So when I saw her in this room, I'm like, is she back in the basement? Yeah, I missed that too, by the way. So yeah. we both missed that. I'm like. I missed everything, and all of a sudden, like, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I turn around, and she's talking to a vision of 12-year-old dead Kate. I was like, what is happening? Well, this was the first. 12-year-old Kate first, isn't dead. Oh, Adult true, Kate is True. But this was the first instance I'm like, okay, what the hell's happening? And I had to back up because I completely. Yeah. So Alice went back to the beginning. Like, she went back to her room that she was held captive in and is just kind of chilling there, you know, singing nursery rhymes to herself. I don't even know why she would come back here. I don't, you know, I don't know. It, Did and she? It, or it, In a weird or, way, I don't or, know if it's like a safety net. Because here's, I mean, this brings up something that we find out towards the end of the episode, but... Given the thing at the end, are we even sure that any of what we witnessed with Alice was real, or are we just inside her head the whole time? Nah, it was real. So, as Alice is kind of laying there, she hears some rustling outside the door. She naturally assumes is a assassin sent from Koreana, but it is not. Uh, as she opens the door after a knock, uh, it turns out that it is 12-year-old Kate Kane. Looking very dapper in her in her bar mitzvah the last time uh, Alice saw her in that you know in that age range. Right. Uh, she looked she knowing that it's the bar mitzvah suit she looks dapper, but at the same time like <laughs> like later on it just she gives off like a weird um, a weird like. Uh, funeral director, you know, funeral home director vibe. Yeah, it, w- it was strange, but all of this was strange. Yeah. So she tells Alice that you know sh- that Alice invited her for tea. Naturally, as one does when y- your sister dies, you invite her twelve-year-old version for tea. We come back. We come back from commercial, 
and we're back out in front of the GCPD headquarters, and the um, the reporter, who apparently just lives out on these steps, is now interviewing a cosmetic CEO by the name of Roman Sionis. Talks about how you know Gotham, the GCPD, and the Crows are kind of failing, and that he feels like business people and wealthy people need to step up and help clean up the streets. You know, typical typical yeah. thing. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, Roman Sionis is Black Mask, so he is the one kind of ruining Gotham right now with Snakebite as he's out there trying to pledge to you, like, hey, you know, how can I help clean up this? Yeah, it's, you know, classic supervillain. Yeah. Um, we had also... We had also had a scene uh, right before the right before the um, commercial break. We had the scene of Commissioner Forbes coming outside from his long day of meetings and getting shot by two members of the two members of the False Face Society and dying on the steps of City Hall. All while the girl that he was talking to earlier is tagging the building on the side so she obviously sees the murder everyone's wearing a mask so it's not like she could really you know she can't really identify the killers but that's not going to stop them from trying to silence her they chase her she gets away and we went to commercial so now we're back in the bat cave the bat team is discussing Forbes' murder and who might be behind it is lucas saying that hey you know the gangs in gotham aren't you know, are stupid, but they're not going to try and kill the commissioner. Mary thinks it could be um, a jealous woman because apparently he was openly having an affair. They sit down to try and figure out, you know, what happened, and they pull up the CCTV. As they're pulling up the CCTV footage, Sophie's over in the Crow headquarters kind of doing the same thing, and they notice, the Bat Team notices that there's footage missing from the CCTV of about 10 minutes, five minutes on each side of the murder. Before and after? Before and after. So you don't see the commissioner walk out. You just kind of see his body there after the fact and after everyone left. Um, Ryan notices that there's a tag in the in the corner of the building from a graffiti. From graffiti. And as Luke is, as Luke is discussing how... You know, as they're discussing how someone could have been there at the time of the building being tagged and someone could have witnessed it. Luke is talking about how, you know, they, you know, that's not going to really help because all they see is the tag and there's no evidence of someone being there and how it's a dead end. And as he's still talking, Mary already is like, found her. (laughs) And that is why. As we all know, Mary has the Mary has the um, uh, Mary has the nickname of World's Greatest Detective. <laughs> I love Mary. She's my favorite. <laughs> so she uh, Mary found her on you know on social media because of the way the O had an X through it. She feel, she figured it was some kind of you know some kind of signature looks into the uh, account holder they find out that the person's name is Jordan is that correct I'm not sure I never even caught her name it took me half the episode to realize that this person was Sophie's sister yeah you were really out of it then <laughs> cuz for, so, yeah, for some reason I just thought she I thought she was just Sophie's um confidential informant I didn't realize ah yep no um it is yeah Jordan so they figured out her name was Jordan Moore, and just as they're trying to wonder if it's any relation to Sophie, we see Sophie coming out of Crow's headquarters, calling Jacob, uh, leaving a voicemail saying, hey, the commissioner's dead. You might want to, you know, release a statement, go on TV, something, something. <laughs> you know. Sophie gets into her car, pulls a gun, turns around, and Jordan's in the back of the car because... Apparently, cars are the least secure inside Crow's headquarters. <laughs> Everyone can just show up in the back seat. It's also television. That's kind of what happens. So Jordan's like, "Hey, by the way, I saw the uh, I saw the commissioner get gunned down. So you know, my day's been great." 
Sophie wants her to Sophie wants her to come upstairs and make a statement, and she's like, "Ah, uh-huh, no, because the crows don't keep people like me safe." And as they as they're having this argument, we have two random false face guys show up trying to kill Jordan. Batwoman shows up at the last minute, saves her, and we go to commercial. So yes, we now have a little sister for Sophie. Yes, I like her, by the way. She is. She's spunky. I like her. She's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I I, don't know if we'll see much more of her. I uh, hope we do. Yeah, she was she was a pretty good character. Um, I will say, I think she looks younger than what she's supposed to be because apparently she's drinking age. So she might she might be freshly 21. It's possible. But I don't I didn't look 21 when I turned 21 either. So, yeah, we come back from commercial and that woman's like, so you saw the commissioner get killed, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, well, how do you know it was me? Who's like, well, we we saw your graffiti on the side of the building, and Sophie was not happy. <laughs> not She's like, really? And Jordan's like, not now. This is so not the time. <laughs> so, so after some prompting from, from Sophie, Jordan tells Batwoman what she knows about the killing, that there were two gunmen, both wearing masks, both men, and a driver who was a woman who was also wearing a mask, so she never could see their faces, but she found she could recognize uh, something on the woman. The driver had a bracelet of a gold key, to which Batwoman is very um, startled by. Uh, yeah. Sophie and Jordan exit, and Batwoman's like, hey, tell your boss, you know, leave her alone. And we go back to the tea party of Alice and 12-year-old Kate. This is so... Sh- like, this whole part of the episode took me out every time we went back to it. Because I had no idea what the hell was happening. So, uh, Alice talks about how she had spent two weeks in a ship coming back to America. So, apparently, it takes two weeks to get from Floriana to America by ship. Okay, I- because I was wondering what happened, because they, like, dragged her off, and that was the last we saw her in the whole episode, and then she was magically back here. I, I still don't understand why, of all places she went to, she went there. But, okay, sure. <laughs> you're, you're really hung up on this. <laughs> I, really I mean, it at least has a bed. I mean, it's just so strange. Like, why wouldn't she go to the the childhood home? The childhood home she had with Kate, because I don't think Jacob. I don't think Jacob lives there. Yeah, so, they might not own it either anymore. <laughs> like that would like, stop you just, Alice. You, know, you <laughs> just wanted to go into somebody's home, and be like, "This is my old room. Uh, my sister's dead. I'm gonna come <laughs> over here now." Like, I mean, it's Alice. She would totally do something like that. I mean, she would. But, so Alice, you know, who has a firm grasp of reality, knows knows that, you know, Kate isn't real, the teacup isn't real, the tea isn't real, and and 12-year-old Kate's like, yeah, but, you know, when's reality ever stopped you? (laughs) Well, is this the scene where she was trying to figure out why she was there? And she's like, well, you're the one who got us into trouble. I'm the one who got you out. I'm here to help you. Right. And see, this, <laughs> when I was watching this scene, because I had missed the first part of, like, the beginning and realizing that she was here by choice, I thought maybe someone had kidnapped her again and and put her back there. Or, like, Sophia's people, like, threw her somewhere and she was, like, imagining all of this and that Kate was going to be her way out. Yeah. I was I was so confused. So Kate pretty much tells her uh Kate pretty much is like, Hey, you're the one who conjured me because you know, you spent all that time and trouble going to an you know, trying to get to an island just to see me again. So here I am. And then, you know, twelve year old Kate kind of rubs it in Alice's face that her dad tried to lock her in Arkham and that she's dead. It's I agree, like the 
the scenes were kind of weird, but it, it made it, it it made sense at the end. It, it, it made sense at the end, but until we get to the end, every time we came back here, I was literally I was literally like, okay, why are we doing this? This literally felt like we have nothing else for Alice to do, so we're just gonna do this. I mean, I I can see your point, but at the same time, like I really liked the scenes. Yeah, because, no, I, because I, we're I, getting a little bit different of a side of Alice. I didn't hate them. I was just confused on why they existed. Yeah. So like the first time, here's the thing: the first time Alice thought Kate was dead, we had had like Alice kind of just start like going willy nilly, like she would. She, like, she killed people. She would, you know, sleep next to dead mouse. <laughs> like, and this time around, like, it's more, it's, it's a, more, it, it's, it's more a, real. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of an internal break. Yeah. Which completely makes sense. Like, yeah. when we get to the end, we'll discuss it more there. But it completely makes sense why she shattered the way she did. Yeah. The next scene we have is Ryan knocking on Angelique's door. Angelique opens the door, and she's like, what the hell? You killed the commissioner? <laughs> Ryan is so pissed yeah. in this scene. I mean, and as like, well she should be. Like, Angelique, oh, was just, totally. Angelique was just at her house going, babe, I want you back, and I'm going to get out. To, oh, you killed the commissioner. No, I know. I, I was like, Ryan was completely justified. It was just hilarious to me. Angelique is like, um, hello, your energy. Can we, like, chill? <laughs> You're at a 10. I need you at, like, a 5. Um, Angelique is surprised that Ryan knows uh, and is very concerned that somebody else, that anybody else might know. And Ryan's like, oh, you know, I know. Isn't that enough? And she's like, look, I didn't pull the trigger. I was, yes, I was the getaway driver. I didn't know what we were doing. I was just given keys, a map, and said, go do this, and I could get out. And Ryan believes her. Um, Not at first. She's like, you expect me to believe you? And she's like, what if I ever lied to you? Right. Like, it didn't take, you know, it didn't take much convincing. No, it really didn't. But, like. It's like one of those where it's like, really, babe? Okay. And And Ryan was like so not amused that she would even do this and because like when she's like who else like when she said it she's like who else knows and ryan's like that is so not the question you should be asking right now yeah so ryan convinces her like is trying to convince her like you need to you know you need to go to the pros you need to go to the gcpd tell them what you know we'll get somebody you know we'll get somebody to protect you and angelique's like how you you know angelique wants to know how they're gonna protect her and I, I really thought Ryan was gonna spill the beans. So did I. But instead, Ryan just tells her that she knows Batwoman. Which Angelique kind of went, "Sure you do." And Ryan's like, well, "How did you expect me to know what yeah. you're up to unless I know Batwoman?" Yeah. Back to the cave. Ryan is explaining everything that is going on to Luke and Mary. Oh, this was one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Luke and Mary are on the side of like are on the side of you need to turn her in and yeah, like she's your Alice. Like we've been down this road before. It doesn't end well. Trust us. Right. And Ryan's like, look, you know, I told her that I told her that she had 24 hours to figure out if she was going to turn them in or not. Otherwise, you know, we would turn her in. Like I'm trusting her to make the right decision. Uh, Mary Mary gives a speech about how you know she's she's her Achilles heel, and how you know this is how this is kind of how Alice kept getting away with stuff, and ended up killing both Ryan and Mary's mom because they you know Kate would never stop her. Kate always gave excuse after excuse not to and they didn't want to see the same thing happen with ryan and angelique so mary's you know said in no uncertain terms like you know i'm willing to give her i'm willing to give her a small amount of time otherwise i'm turning her in myself yeah she said i'll get i'll give her an hour but if she doesn't start talking by then i will tell i will tell the truth myself and i kind of like that 
Luke and Mary are not afraid to tell Ryan a truth that she may not necessarily want to or be able to face. Mm-hmm. And I like that even though they voice their objections, they still kind of let her at least try it her way. I like that the Bat team is being supportive, but still honest at the same time. They're not just blindly going along with Ryan's plan because she's in the bat suit. They're making sure that while we support you, here's the actual truth of the situation that you're facing. And I I really kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I mean, in a couple scenes, it definitely doesn't look like that. But I, I do get what you're saying. We go from there to Jacob and Julia sitting in the graveyard. I'm assuming next to Kate's um, Kate's grave. Julia is looking at the looking at the uh, report that Jacob had of the crash, where they pretty much chalked it up to a lightning strike, which caused an electrical failure. Jacob does not believe that that is correct, and he wants Julia to look into it. Julia says that she will, but if she comes up to the same conclusion as the report, will Jacob at least, you know, let it go then? And Jacob said, you know, convince me that this report I'm is wrong. right. Yeah. And then convince me and, I'm wrong and then I'll let it go. Yeah. But Jacob said, you know, I just found out that one <laughs> I just found out that one one daughter was daughter Batwoman. Was, one daughter was Batwoman, one daughter was running an illegal medical facility i'm not taking anything at face value which i mean finally yeah this, this was the first episode where jacob didn't annoy me well that's so, good <laughs> progress <laughs> yeah exactly we go to the bar where ryan is really intently cleaning a glass yeah i think she was picturing angelique's face and trying not to kill her <laughs> <laughs> we have jordan and sophie walking in and Sophie's like, this is not a safe environment. And Jordan's like, I need a drink. And all you have is, is expensive wine that you won't let me look at. <laughs> I loved that. Just this whole this whole scene. And this was the point at which I realized that they were siblings. So it took this long. <laughs> so they they sit down at the bar and they're, you know, Ryan kind of has her back to them as they're still kind of lightly bickering back and forth about, you know, A, tagging the uh, tagging the, the police headquarters and how they, you know, they need to be in a safer area. Ryan turns around. <laughs> She's that's right. Jordan's like, you know, it's how I express myself. <laughs> and and um, Sophie's like, well, the next time grab a notepad. And Jordan's like, why did Batwoman save me? I was having much more fun having a crowbar up in my face. <laughs> and that was the moment I was like, okay, I really like you. Ryan turns around. Sophie introduces her little sister, Jordan. And she's like, we'll have two club sodas. And Jordan's like, I will have vodka with <laughs> vodka. <laughs> like, just stop pouring the vodka and don't stop till I say so. <laughs> I was like, all right. (laughs) Ryan talks about how she overheard them say that she was saved by Batwoman. She was like, hey, that's cool, right? Batwoman is, Batwoman is, you know, is, is cool, as you kids say. (laughs) Jordan's like, no, Batwoman is, you know, Batwoman's not good. She's, you know, she, her, the crows, the police are all the same. Um, And... She's like, well, then how are you going to stop crime? And then Jordan kind of launches into her whole thing. She's like, let's stop it before it starts. I'm currently trying to build a community center in in Skid Row. I'm phone banking for no more prisons in Gotham. I am on a couple different um, like neighborhood watch boards. Like she is like grassroots. Yeah, she's like community activist central. Yeah, and Ryan's like, you get a free drink. Here you go. Sophie and Jordan go off to a table in which, in which Jordan's like, okay, so... What's the deal? Dating, yep, when are you dating the bartender? 
because <laughs> like mom told you yeah she's like when are you dating the bartender because you're recently out she's a bartender in a gay bar so you know so i've only met two gay women in my life so apparently you two need to date and she was like i'm being your wing woman which never works out for sophie like sophie's had two wing women in this series one was mary and one was jordan and it just never works out but i'm glad that she picked up on the vibe that was happening between Ryan and Sophie, because I was picking up on that vibe last week on Coriana as Ryan was dying, or well, she was Batwoman, but still, I was like, there definitely seems to be a vibe here. No, no, there doesn't. No, yeah, no, there was totally a vibe, and so I would, I, but I wasn't sure if it was just me seeing things, because sometimes I, yes, I see vibes that where that was exactly what was happening. No, but see, then Jordan confirmed it. So obviously, Jordan, I, I'm pretty sure Jordan has only met two gay women in her life. Well, how was she supposed to know that Ryan's gay? Her mom told her. Ryan never said that. Her mom told her that Sophie was gay. Oh, I'm she sorry, Sophie. No, no, she just assumed Ryan was because she's at a gay bar. I mean, but I'm just saying she picked up on a vibe that existed. No, I'm this not. vibe is in your head. No. <laughs> the only vibes going on in this show this season are Mary and Ryan and Alice and Sophie. Listen, there are all my, kinds of... <laughs> I don't, Ryan I, and Salas. I don't deny that those other vibes exist, but this vibe exists as well. I mean, Javicia just has chemistry with everyone. We are not... I can't help it. We are not backing we may not be but i certainly no, am no <laughs> no we're not we're not backing ropey it's it's not happening i mean there doesn't have to be a we here <laughs> the podcast doesn't have to endorse it you don't have to endorse it i am completely fine being no. on the island of unpopular opinion all by myself i'm i'm, I'm vetoing it <laughs> As, as Jordan is trying to hook up Sophie with uh, trying to get her sister laid there with Ryan, Angelique calls Ryan and is like, all right, do you really know Batwoman? Because for you, I'll I'll do this. She's like, yes, I really know Batwoman. Batwoman shows up on the patio where Batwoman's been before. While, while she's talking to Luke and Mary on the comm, she, you know, she's like, we need a place to stash to stash Angelique. Mary's like, well, I know a super secret medical facility that has a large neon sign that's not being used right now. <laughs> and then Batwoman is like, and is there anything else you want to say? Like, sorry, maybe? Like, this is not the time to say you're right, Batwoman. Yeah, save I told you so's for later. Right, because then she opens the patio Angelique's not there. The place has been turned upside down, and there's blood on the lamp post. Uh, blood, uh, blood on the lamp. So obviously, someone took Angelique while Batwoman was outside gloating. Exactly. Now, there, that, well, we don't know that it was happening at the exact no, moment. It was happening right then. That's wait, wait no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Because you would think that Batwoman would have been able to hear it, even though she was on the phone. So I'm going to assume that she was already gone. They are noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> That's what you're going with? Okay. Yep. Yep. They are They are real. And, I mean, this is Wayne Tech. So, they, when they say noise-canceling, like, a bomb could go off next to but her. And she, she wasn't. Know. She was using her comms, which she has to have on her, while she's still being Batwoman and having to hear everything that's you're, going you're, on around her. You're overthinking. This is what you're <laughs> Is what you're doing. It no. was happening while Batwoman was gloating. No, no, it, would, it had already happened mm. because she would have been able to hear. Is the entire point? You just don't like it when I use logic <laughs> against you. Before we cut to commercial, we see a hood come off Angelique, who is staring at one of the people who were trying to get Jordan earlier. And Black Mask is there, and he's like, "Hey, you know." heard you want to get out well that's what getting out looks like and you know 
She's looking at a dead corpse hanging upside down. Which was so gross. It really was? <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting that. I was still, I was debating whether I was going to grab a Reese's peanut butter cup because I was getting kind of hungry while I was watching it. And that moment happened. I was like, no, no food for me. I mean, <laughs> I really wish you would have because, <laughs> like, in five minutes, it's even worse. <laughs> We come back from commercial and Batwoman is just like walking through the abandoned warehouse that Angelique is in. Uh, she comes across members of the False Face Society. We have a quick action sequence in which after it seems like she takes out the members, a couple members come up from behind her and take her out. And then we get what do we get after that. The really gross scene. Yeah, that's right. Because. We immediately go to we immediately go to uh, Batwoman waking up being trapped to a conveyor belt. Her comms not working, and we see Black Mask talking to the other person that was tasked with getting Jordan. And he's like, "Look, you had a simple task. Get me the witness. You couldn't do that, so this is your termination notice." And then he gets cut in half by a giant saw. <gasps> This that was so gross. I was like, "Ew, this is just not." I can I can handle a lot. I can. There's just some things that are just too much, and this was that. <laughs> so that that was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and he's like, "This is an HR matter. What are you, OSHA? <laughs> what What are you doing here?" And she's like, "You have somebody held hostage here that you need to let go." Um. You know, she wants to leave. She doesn't, you know, she's not like you. And he's like, what do you know about me? She's like, you're a sadistic drug lord. And he's about to, he's about to, like, correct her. And then he looks over to the person that he just put a giant saw blade through. And he's like, okay, I can see why you think this This looks bad, but, like, I have a reason. So he talks about how... You know, Gotham is the sadistic thing, the the typical like villain trope. Like, it's not my fault. The city made me this way. Apparently, um, the crow imprisoned his daughter, and Batwoman killed her. We don't know how. We don't know why. I'm assuming when he says Batwoman killed her, it's gonna be some stupid thing where like Batwoman wasn't there or something. But yeah, basically, it's everyone's fault but mine. And Batwoman's like, yeah, you know, I, I've heard this before. You're, you're just evil, and you're using that as an excuse. Anything? No, I really, I really did like enjoy the dynamic here, and like I just kept watching these scenes with Batwoman and um, it's Bla- is it Black Mask? Yeah, you can tell because he's the one in the Black Mask. <laughs> I, he was not original in his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. He was quite, he was like, you know what, we're just going to keep it simple. But anyway, I really like that, like, Ryan kept fight, like, Ryan keeps fighting back and that she's not only a badass when it comes to, like, kung, like kung fu and fighting and all that stuff, but she's kind of a smartass, too, when she gets put into a position. Like, she's not going to go slowly. She's right. going to go down swinging and you are not going to knock her down. And I love that about her. Yeah. Um, and I really liked the way they portrayed Black Mask. As we know, Black Mask was um, just recently in the Birds of Prey movie, uh, played by Ewan McGregor. And he was played, like, I really liked what Ewan McGregor did with the character. He, they were both, they're both sadistic, but Ewan McGregor brought, like, a really over-the-top flamboyancy that the character doesn't have in the comics. And I, yeah, I, I really... could not picture this character in a flamboyant way. Yeah, like, I really like the way um, Ewan McGregor handled the part, but this is, you know, closer to the comics, and so I really like that I got two different two different versions of this character that were kind of the same at the core, but their, you know, their approach was completely different. Black Mask uh, is about to saw Batwoman in half, and Sophie comes in with the save. She fires her gun at Black Mask, who goes running off. She stops the saw blade, unties uh, Batwoman. She tells her that she got an SOS from Luke. 
Batwoman start, you know, starts searching for Angelique, finds her, cuts her free. Did you think that they were going? Did you, did you think that they were going to find Kate here, or did? No. I thought it no. for a minute, and then I was like, no. Um, before before we go on, there were a couple things that I'm realizing we missed at the very beginning of the episode. We have a small scene with Black Mask and Kate, in which Black Mask pretty much just tells her, you know. Your family's declared you dead, and we're going to make, gonna them, make believe them believe in life, after, life death. after death. And then there was another scene at the bar um, when when Jordan was trying to was trying to hook her sister up. Sophie called up to try and get Batwoman to help to do her a favor. Uh, right, because she and, I think she she realized that Batwoman was it was that when she was trying to get her to protect Jordan, or was that yeah. when she realized that Bat, that she knew Batwoman recognized the bracelet when Jordan was telling her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was, yeah, she was like Batwoman seemed to recognize it. You know, can find out information. And then there was a conversation between because Mary was there, and Luke's like, "All right, I'll talk to her and I'll see what I can get." And Mary's like, "Why didn't you just tell her that it was Angelique?" And you know, we could have been, we could have solved our issue. And uh, Luke was like, "Look." We're going to try and trust Ryan. That doesn't mean we, you know, we turn our back on her the first chance that we get. We have to support her even if we don't agree. And I really like this role reversal from Luke because at the beginning of the season, it would have the roles would have been reversed in that scene. Mary would have been let's support Ryan and Luke would have been let's turn her in. Right. So I really I kind of liked the role reversal and I like that Mary listened to Luke and didn't argue and go against both of them and do her own thing. She may have had her reservations. She may have voiced her reservations, but she ultimately stuck with the bat team. Right. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to, uh, so Batwoman saves Angelique and is like, I'm here to help you. And Angelique's like, huh, Ryan does know you. Go figure. I was waiting for Angelique to kind of figure it out, but she didn't. We come back from commercial, and Angelique is there at Crow's headquarters in the interrogation room. Sophie's slamming a pad of paper in front of her, and it's like, what is this? And apparently, Angelique confessed to killing Commissioner Forbes. She's like, and Sophie's like, you're just a getaway driver. And she's like, look, I killed, I killed the commissioner. I acted alone. There was no one else. It was just me. Bring me to jail. Yeah, I, I was confused by this at first. Uh, I mean, she was just pretty much threatened by Black Mask. So I could, like, I figured that had something to do with it. And then in the next scene, we have Sophie going back to the holdup and handing Ryan um, Angelique's bracelet. And, you know, Ryan, Ryan wants to know what's going on. And Sophie's like, she confessed to killing. She's on her way to jail. Apparently, Black Mask threatened a certain bartender, and she doesn't say the name, but I'm pretty sure it's the other bartender at the holdup. Here's where my mind went. Do we think that's why she wanted out? Because they started threatening Ryan? No, I, I believed her that she loves Ryan, and like... That love for Ryan was like, all right, I'm going to turn my life around. So you honestly think that she just missed her or that when they started to threaten her, that was the last straw. And she decided, you know what? This isn't worth it. I love Ryan. I'm going to go be with her. And she wanted out. Um, well, they weren't threatening her. They just wanted her. They had found out that she was able to make snake bite and they wanted her to do it. And she didn't really want to be. She didn't want to really make the drug. She just wanted to sell it. Like in her mind, that was an important, like in her mind, that was an important line. And then also, I believe Ryan did play a part in it. Like Ryan had pretty much with what Ryan did. It showed like how much Ryan was against what she was doing. And she wanted her, you know, she wanted a better life for her. So I think that also helped. Right. Because I'm just because when Sophie said that, she was threatening a certain bartender that she's been texting about getting back together with. I thought that maybe black mask had threatened her before 
he kidnapped her. Like, I thought the threat is what prompted her to try to want to get out. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think so. I think that was generally, like, her, like, deciding, like, hey, they want me to make this. I don't really want to do it. I also love Ryan. So, like, that kind of prompted her to be like, I want to change for Ryan. And now's the best time to do it. Okay. Just a thought I had. We see Julia making phone calls about Kate's plane calling um, the airfield that the flight landed, the flight took off from. And she's like, hey, my name's Julia Pennyworth. I'm calling about this flight. I like, you know, I have some questions that I want answered. And the guy on the phone's like, hey, Julia, what's up, bro? Long time no see. And she's like, I, I, who are you? And he's like, we talked like a month ago. Remember? We both, you know, summered in some weird English named city because English cities have weird names. And Julie's like, why don't I remember this conversation? Yeah, she's like, I never talked to you a day in my life, bro. And he's like, yeah, you asked about the third loader. And I told you that was a reporting error because we only employ two loaders. And come on, we, you know, we talked about your accent. She's like, yeah, no, I have no memory of this. So why do we think that this? Do we think that maybe someone from the False Face Society was pretending to be Julia in that moment? I mean, oh, no, 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 it's no, it's obvious that that she had her mind wiped, especially at the end. OK, so you OK, but then my second thought was, OK, wait, maybe yeah. maybe she maybe she had Sophia's. Mem- oh, because Enig- was Enigma the one that did the, the mind wiping? Yeah. Oh, okay. That yeah. see that I knew she looked familiar, and I was trying to connect it. That, yeah, I don't okay. think we saw her before, but we definitely, you know, they definitely used her name. They okay, they def <sighs> okay because they did. I think we saw her for a split second in one of the Coriana flashbacks. It, it is very in, possible. I think two weeks ago, two three weeks ago. Yeah. So we go to the Bat Cave in which Ryan has a see-through board that she's writing on with the worst pen in the world i hate these boards and these pens like can we just make it an actual whiteboard so things can be visible yes because they use this they use these kind of boards on the flash too and it literally drives me insane like you can't see anything like it's It's, weird it's just why just just why just why yeah she's like all right we need some rules so rule number three, we're going to support each other. Rule number two, we're going to have accountability just like you guys had for me. She was like, I don't expect you to always agree with me. And I also expect you to keep me in check when you think I'm wrong. But we need to support each other. And then their number one was like, I can do a lot of taking criminals off the street, but we need to replace that with some good. So uh, rule number one was legacy, which was how... They can all help make Gotham a better place aside from just taking criminals off the street. And their first goal is going to be to help Jordan more with her uh, community center. Which I guess answers the question of will we be seeing more of her? Yeah. I also like how Ryan's like, you know, Jordan Moore is trying to get this community center done. I think we can help her. And I'm just sitting there like, Mary, you're like the richest person there. You can literally fund the entire thing. Like, you have your mom's money. You have Kate's money. Like, you own the holdup now. <laughs> like, like, you're rich. Just buy a building, Sophie. Uh, Mary. We go over to Alice and 12-year-old Kate walking through a pet cemetery. And she's like, so digging up my dead cat is going to help me? And Kate's like, yeah, sure. Why not? let's try it see how it goes (laughs) this was this again was another what are we doing so alice digs you know like three three scoops of dirt and hits and hits the coffin and she's like i am not i am not opening a kitty coffin and kate just looks at her she's like fine i'll open the kitty coffin and there's a fully alive cat just chilling there and Alice is all happy, picks it up, and starts petting it. And I was really, 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 really <laughs> waiting for the scene of which we see real life and Alice just, like, cuddling 
a skeletal kitten. I kept like I kept waiting for a moment for us to snap. Like I, that's why I asked you earlier. Like, are we a hundred percent sure that anything that happened with Alice was real, or this was all inside her head and she's just rocking back and forth somewhere? Like she was petting this thing, she was kissing it. I was like, she's kissing bones right now. Like I that's also just... thought it was a weird, like, symbolic thing. Like she's gonna put Kate's memories. And bury them the way she buried her cat. She wants to completely forget that Kate existed to avoid the pain. Right. So basically, uh, young Kate says, you know, you you had a bunch of traumatic experiences. And after each one, you something happened. You found, you know, you found you were held captive. You found your mom's head in a freezer. And now this. And Alice realizes that she's having a psychotic break. Which I don't know why it took Alice this long to figure that out. Like, I figured that out as soon as we first saw 12-year-old Kate. Yeah, like, that's usually <laughs> when you see the 12-year-old version of your quote-unquote confirmed dead sister. That's usually a sign that not everything is okay in Whoville. Yeah. So, 12-year-old Kate is like, you have a great gift. You're really crazy. <laughs> so... You can, so you can find, you can figure out a way to handle this. And Alice is like, I know, I can just think you never existed. So it looks like Alice's plan going forward is, I'm an only sister. I'm an only daughter. I never had a sister, ever. Yeah. That seems to be Alice's plan. How that works, I cannot wait to find out, actually. like. Yeah, I'm very, very intrigued. and. I didn't see them going the, I guess we could call it amnesia route here. Like, I, I didn't expect it. I mean, I don't think it's amnesia as much as, um, as much as repression. Like when you, when you have, when you have a very traumatic event, sometimes your, your brain just kind of represses the memory. Of the event, yes. She wants to completely erase Kate's entire existence. Well, Kate's entire existence was very traumatic for her. I don't know. I, no, Look, I, I, I am not a psychologist. I don't know exactly how this works. No, this is – I think we're heading down the selective amnesia route. I think that's where this is going. Uh, she's choosing to forget everything having to do with Kate because having to live in a world where Kate, where Kate doesn't exist anymore is too painful for her. So she's just going to block everything having to do with Kate out of her mind. I'm going through something similar on another show that I watched, so it's all weirdly timed. And then the last scene we have is Black Mask opening the cell to where Kate is and introducing her to Enigma. And Enigma, you know, was like, hi, let's, uh, you know, we're going to have fun, you and me. She takes off her... She takes off her um, necklace and is like, we don't need this anymore. We also find out to the beginning part of this scene, which may be where you're going now. Uh, where, when Enigma asks what happened to her, Black Mask says that she fought off a bunch of uh, a bunch of his guys when they pulled her from the plane. And she said, good facial recognition leads to memory recall. So does Kate also currently have amnesia? And not know who she is? Uh, no. Enigma is gonna make her forget who she is. Aha. Okay. I wasn't sure if it had happened yet. But I think what Enigma is saying yeah. is, is like, so as we've seen, like Enigma's ability isn't permanent. Like, as soon can, as she starts you seeing can familiar remember, faces. Yeah, like you can remember what she made you forget. Maybe if like a bond is strong enough, or something like, Al- like Alice and Ocean. Yeah, or something weird happens like with Alice and Ocean because that bond was not strong at all. Uh, but I mean, okay, your hatred of that relationship aside, they did it for a reason, and not I don't even think now so much to give Alice like to give Alice a relationship or whatever. I think it was literally to say, hey, this exists. This is how this works. Now we're going to use it with Kate. Right. So, and that's where we end up. Um, next week we are off. Because the next it is episode. Easter. 
Oh, yeah, that's why. Oh, either way, the next episode is April 11th. Um, so Wallace Day's um, second episode as Kate Kane. Still. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I, she, I, I need her to speak actual words. She, I, I believe she could have done these both in like one day because she just kind of sits there. I would yeah, also I, I, I would also be surprised if they had actually used Wallace Day and not just random stunt person. I was gonna say, was Wallace Day even in the guest cast? I I don't know. I'm just look. Wallace Day is Kate Kane, so whenever Kate Kane's on the screen, I'm gonna assume it's Wallace Day. I'm actually gonna check her IMDb while we're talking to see if they credited her. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, uh, April 11th is when we're back with a brand new episode. Hopefully, we have now. We don't say we don't see Alice like like officially erase kate so i'm hoping next episode we see more 12 year old kate because i want more scenes i want i want 12 year old kate to be like a not necessarily conscience for alice so like jiminy cricket is is like a bad analogy but i want her to be alice's imaginary friend yeah no i i I can definitely see that she can be alice's subconscious i think would be a better Way yeah. To word that. Yeah. Because I don't need her to be like Alice. That's not the right thing to do. But if she is successful in erasing all memory of Kate, I don't know that that will work. Right. Well, maybe she'll still have her cat. It's gonna be very interesting to see what they do her, with Alice. Her dead, dead cat. This this was the first time, like, I enjoyed the Alice stuff, don't get me wrong, but this is the first time that they could have literally lifted the Alice stuff out of the episode, and I don't think anything would have changed. There wouldn't have been a scene in which I was waiting to see Alice snuggling a, right, a, but it's a literally zombie cat. Well, it's literally the first time that the Alice plot of the episode has not tied into the bigger plot of the episode and could literally be lifted out and nothing about the actual episode would have changed. I mean, I agree, but at the same time, like, so we don't, because they move a month in the future after the funeral, we don't really see the characters processing their grief, except maybe Jacob, who's still like, I don't believe this report. Like, I don't, like, right now, I don't think Jacob thinks Kate is alive. He just doesn't think the version of events that happened. Right. Now that he has confirmation... Right. Yeah, now that he has confirmation that Kate is dead, which isn't even real, um, I would wonder, he's got to be wondering, okay, so obviously my little girl is gone. Now I need to know who took her from me. Right. So now I have this question for you because I just thought of this. So Kate has, you know, so obviously they're giving Kate a new face to go with whatever memories um, Enigma gives her. But we also know there's there's a lot of damage to her face, and that's one of the reasons why they're giving her a new face. Did they take the pieces of her face that either they cut off or whatever and put it in the ocean, and that's what Julia found? That's what I'm thinking so, because what did he say? It was an orbital bone, right? uh, They didn't call it an orbital bone, but it, it started with orbit. It started with orbital, but it wasn't like an orbital bone. I forget what it was actually. I forget what the term actually was. But also, because Julia was the one who had this information, is this information that was just given to her by Nigma? That could like, be too. Because I, I, I even said it earlier in the episode before they even revealed the Enigma thing. I wonder if, I mean, my initial reaction was is this actually julia or is is this somebody with julia's face presenting them with fake information right because in the beginning ryan in her letter even says like unbeknownst to everyone julia was off for three months investigating so obviously julia started investigating it found out something that led to black mask and then they they got her and erased her memory yeah. But did they just give her, like, false information, and then Enigma planted the memory of, like, yeah, you did this investigation, found this, this is what happened, here are the results, and now she's just going off and presenting that information as fact. 
but she actually has the information to back it up, and now she's just she has she has papers it. right, which but those those papers could have easily been very true. See, this so, is this is this is quite the uh, little twisted knot we have found ourselves in. Which I love these kind of things because. Like, where you can just kind of pull threads and kind of figure stuff out. My brain loves these kind of things. Yeah. But, so, that is uh, that is where we leave things for this episode. Did you find out if Wallace Day was credited on the episode? He, She was not credited for the, this one, for this week. She was credited for last week. So, I don't know if IMDb just hasn't updated yet, but she so, was credited. <laughs> so, now I'm just, I'm just going to assume that they, like, reused the footage of her. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I don't know if IMDb just hasn't updated yet, but usually they update in, like, 24 hours. So they should have updated, but I went, yeah, I went to her page, and she's only credited for last week's episode. All right. Well, that is, um, that is the episode. Uh, do you have much more? No, pretty much it. You can reach out to us on a variety of ways. You can email us at that's the wrong one. <laughs> you can email us at batwomantvtalk at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at batwomantvtalk on Twitter. You can tweet at me at Academy Rewind on Twitter. Where can the people find you? I'm at XO Tony Roney XO on Twitter. All right. Well, that is it. The next time you hear from us, um, I will at least have one shot of vaccination down. I don't know if I'm getting this. I don't know if I'm getting Johnson and Johnson or one of the two, but I don't care. Just I will take all five if you want to give it to me. You are getting one step closer to normal. Yes. Thank. Well, normal if. <laughs> but um, until then, I hope everyone has a nice Easter, nice relaxing holiday. Uh, yes. If you're able to spend it with some family, I hope you I hope you have fun. If you're not, um, you know, watch watch a claymation special on <laughs> TV. I don't I don't know. There isn't really much in the way of like Easter holiday specials. No, I mean I don't even think Charlie Brown has one. I'm pretty sure they do. I I seem to remember like I, I Snoopy so, having bunny but, ears. But I can't remember. Yeah, but. That is it for this week. So, again, we'll be back in two weeks. April 11th is the next episode, and we'll be back, you know, that same week, shortly after that, to discuss everything that is happening and hopefully bring you more tales of Alice and her dead imaginary cat, whom I'm now going to call the Cheshire Cat. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Because that is a joke I just thought of that I'm sure nobody else did. I'm sure. We'll just give you credit for it. All right. They're shining the bat signal out in the sky, so we're going to get out of here. Until next time, see you later, everybody. Bye.